0: Welcome back to the podcast for Cultural Reformation, brought to you by the Ezra Institute.
1: Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a level path because of my foes. Do not deliver me over to the desire of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Psalm 27, 11-14 Welcome back one and all. This is the podcast for Cultural Reformation brought to you by the Ezra Institute and also hosted on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. I'm Ryan Aris and I am joined once again by Dr. Joe Boot. We are back to deal with uh, our series in the Ten Commandments. Regular listeners will know that uh, we have been Chipping away at this series for some months now, with uh, with a few uh, breaks interspersed in between. And uh, today we are moving on to the ninth commandment: "You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor." And Joe, there are uh, there are actually two two themes that I wanted to deal with uh, in here. Uh, one of them is related to last week's episode on the coronation oath. Before we get into that, just a couple of quick housekeeping items. Uh, the the Mission of God Conference USA, that's happening in Bonair, Georgia, this weekend, May 20th. Brian Mattson, Aaron Rock, and Joe Boot are going to be speaking that uh, at this event. Some tickets are still available. We have had a flurry of uh, last-minute ticket orders uh, this past week. And, uh, we've got uh, we've got some left so don't uh, don't despair you can visit EzraInstitute.com, Institutecom ezra get your tickets for that event you can also continue to uh, to apply to the worldview Leadership Academy in Huntsville Alabama uh, that's July 30th through August 4th that's uh, that's also at Ezra Institute and ezra Press.com. and as I mentioned uh, there are there are scholarships available for, uh, for this program. Scholarship money both for uh, your attendance at the program to offset the cost uh, to be there and afterwards uh, to apply to course credit and uh, scholarship uh, tuition at Bryan College in Tennessee. So reach out to us or reach out to, uh, to the administrators at Bryan for more details about that but register at Ezra Institute.com for the Worldview Leadership Academy. Finally, our, uh, our American listeners and our American supporters, we are very grateful to you. Uh, many of you have been asking, and I'll just remind you again that uh, we are now in a position to, uh, to offer uh, tax-deductible charitable receipts uh, to American donors. And if you visit uh, Ezra Institute.com you can visit our donate page there is a, uh, a link right there for uh, giving in and from america as well as canada and the uk uh, click the relevant uh, link for your country you can donate directly through there and get a get a tax deductible uh, receipt thanks so much for all of your support i'm going to dive right into the show now so joe as i said uh there are uh, there are two themes that uh that I'm hoping to deal with here, uh, related to the uh, the question of oaths uh, that we uh, that we dealt with last week uh, in the uh, the coronation of Charles III, and something that uh, maybe escaped some of our American, and even some of our uh, our other uh, listeners around the world, but uh, here in Canada, this has been a uh, some something of a deal. Something it's making the national news is that. In the midst of and in the light of the uh, the coronation of Charles, uh, Prime Minister Trudeau and uh, some of his advisors have taken it on themselves to uh, to use this coronation as an up- opportunity to update the symbolism on the uh, the Canadian coat of arms, and specifically uh, the crown that uh, that sits on the top of the coat of arms. They've uh, they've removed the. The traditional depiction of uh, Elizabeth II's uh, Saint Edward's crown, uh, and they have taken off the cross uh, that sits on the top and the fleur de lis that uh, that surround it. They have replaced it with a snowflake at uh, at the top at the crest, uh, and surrounded by by maple leaves. And this is a this is a new design that has sort of been quietly surreptitiously put forward. But uh, but many traditionalists have uh, have noticed it, have pointed it out, and have uh, have started to comment on the uh, you know the implications, the symbolism that uh, that this this quiet change will have meant. And uh, I know that uh, you and I have been talking about this a little bit over the past week as well. So maybe you can uh, you can say a little bit more, draw the threads a little closer together between. Uh, Last week's conversation about oaths and uh, the presence and uh, institution of the monarchy. Uh, This week's conversation about bearing false witness and how these things uh, come together and what they have to do with one another.
0: Well, there is an interesting linkage here. The discussion we had last week is a kind of... um, interregnum or an interruption of Mm. our series to deal with the coronation in hopefully a timely manner and its significance dealt with the issue of oath taking and we talked about the importance uh, of oaths in the bible of um, not bearing false witness of speaking the truth and swearing falsely biblically is a very very serious matter perjury is an incredibly serious matter in many respects the context of the coronation whilst in a church um was before the the, the oath taking was before god it was before the church and it was before the uh, british state representatives of the state uh, lords and so on um MPs prime minister etc cetera, etc cetera, are there witnessing the the oath so we talked about the fact that uh, which gives us i think a very good link into our discussion today about the importance of oaths of um, bearing a faithful and true witness and not bearing false witness it's a very serious issue to bear false witness to god and to a neighbor especially in the context of uh juridical matters and ecclesiastical matters you see for example in the case of uh Ananias and Sapphira who lied to the right. holy spirit concerning in the book of acts concerning what they had or had not given to the uh, apostles after the sale of a parcel of land and the issue there was not that they kept some back for themselves, they could absolutely have done that. It, it was that they uh, misled the, or tried to mislead the apostles by saying that they'd given it all. So there was an ecclesiastical context of bearing false witness. And, of course, there are uh, instances of um, the, the, the state, also uh, the importance of the state bearing true and uh, faithful witness uh, biblically. Um, when the even King David tried to uh, lie to God, to himself, to the people uh, around the issue of Bathsheba, Nathan the prophet was sent to call out even the king uh, in his attempt to mislead and misdirect, which in the end led to uh, murder. So the the issue of oaths uh, of of bearing true witness is very very important. We'll talk more generally about lying in a moment. Mm -hmm. But you raised this interesting story about the coat of arms in Canada. What was interesting to me about that in part was the timing with which they chose to go about this. It isn't um, altogether uh, unusual for the symbol of the monarch uh, when a monarch changes to be reviewed what was deceptive and surreptitious here is that in secret these bureaucrats uh in the federal government were looking to de-christianize so while you have a while you've got a christian coronation going on and a king swearing to the, the head of state swearing to uphold the law and gospel of god and all with all the symbols that we talked about last week we have the um prime minister and his bureaucrats in canada seeking to undermine that. It's actually the monarch who chooses the the symbol, not the uh, prime minister, yeah. and certainly not without right. consultation with parliament. And it, this is just seems to be typical of the way increasingly we're seeing Western states, not just Canada, but it, Canada does seem to be a peculiarly bad example right now of the attempt to lie to, to misdirect, to deceive... To conceal things from the Canadian people, uh, and mm-hmm. uh, in many in, in in many cases, with the intention actually to hurt a portion of the population, uh, and um, most of the time, people are unaware very often of what is even going on, and therefore we could say that people are being oppressed, and the poor are being deprived of of justice. So just. Uh, I think it's an apt illustration uh, as we're talking about bearing false witness and the the various permutations of what is the positive duty implied there what is it what is enjoined upon us to do and then also what is forbidden it does seem mm-hmm. that we are increasingly in a condition in the west where and um, this is an illustration from the Canadian context but it's true in the West in general, that we are finding that concealment, misdirection, deception is being seen as the political norm. And oaths that have been made and are taken are not being taken seriously. And that is a very, very serious matter. God takes it seriously. And increasingly, people will start to become profoundly frustrated by it. You You cannot hold a society together where lying and perjury becomes the norm. You, you cannot That's have right. a um, a legal system, for example, in, a, in any country, cannot operate where perjury is the norm. And where the norm in a society is lies, and I think we could have a very interesting discussion at this juncture about the last two or three years of the mm. COVID era and the almost endless lying that was done uh, and perpetrated against the uh, people in the west across the world in many respects but in canada in the united states uh, in britain uh where there was constant lying and misdirection and deception in order to manipulate people and, and the and the bureaucrats and the experts had words for this they called it nudging uh, they had hmm. psychological experts brought in to uh advise governments on how they could use uh exaggeration, misdirection deception manipulation to get people to do what they wanted now what this has resulted in i read interestingly in the last couple of days in canada is that you've Mm. got the growth now of a separatist movement in alberta that is sick to the back teeth of the federal government And They're increasingly talking now, and there's more and more people in support of it. Apparently, one fifth of Canadians at this point would see themselves as better off as the 51st state uh, of the United States. That's a lot of people. That's 25% of the Canadian population. I mean, think about that. That, (laughs) 25% of the country thinks they'd be better off being part of another country. Uh, and of course, the numbers minority would be much with higher.
1: unacceptable views.
0: <laughs> That's right, deplorables. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. The, the, and, and of course, those numbers would be considerably higher out in Western Canada, in Alberta, where you do have, I think it's a wild rose movement out there. Uh, but there are increasingly separatists who really think that they have simply had enough. And so you actually, in the end, cannot hold a family together. You cannot hold a The courts together, you certainly cannot hold a society together that becomes Mm -hmm. built around lies, misrepresentation and deception. When people's own constitutional uh, arrangements are so manipulated that they are turned against them to basically say, no, your your fundamental freedoms aren't really fundamental freedoms. They're only fundamental freedoms if the government thinks they should be on this particular occasion then people start to feel lied to and deceived, and mm-hmm. they no longer want to be a part of that society. That's how serious the issue of bearing false witness actually is. It has personal, familial, social, societal, civilizational consequences. When truth falls out of a culture, uh, that culture has a death wish. And you know, right. we see the spin in media, We see the spin in social media and we, and we see it most especially the manipulation in from governments and with government funded media. And of course that will drive not just um, people's disaffection, dissatisfaction, frustration. uh, It will start to drive uh, conspiracies that actually are an exaggeration and that aren't even true. Mm -hmm. So it, it, when you conceal and you deceive because you've got an agenda and you're trying to hide that agenda, um, people will run even further in their assumptions about the degree of deception in your agenda. You see what I mean? Um, yeah, and then exactly. you will get to the point where you know we're back to um flat earth and uh, you know, nobody really, um, you know, the 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 earth, the, the pictures from space are a deception. Um, I hope nobody's going to segment that bit and say Joe boot denies that, um, uh, the earth is sphere. I don't, I'm saying that that, what that Joe, when you they alienate when you, all of our <laughs> flat earth listeners, <laughs> the point is that when you deceive people and lie and misdirect, they will begin to presume that everything you're saying is a lie. And so the right. cohesion okay. within society starts to fall apart. So, that's why this topic we're dealing with today is so huge and, and why, you know, the issue you've raised is, I think, a good illustration of one of the problems now that we're beginning to face, uh, where lying starts to become the norm. Nobody takes truth seriously. Mm hmm.
1: And it's uh, it's interesting, this uh, this phrase, false witness, uh, that is uh, in scripture, it's it's a noun in a couple of different senses. Uh, you shall not bear a false witness against your neighbor is the commandment, uh, where that false witness is something that you you say or do, uh, but uh, but it also refers to a person uh, in a uh, whether it's in a legal sense, somebody comes in as a false witness, mm-hmm. and uh, this uh, this phrase. Uh, with reference to uh, a person, uh, the it, it occurs most frequently uh, in the biblical book of Proverbs. Shows up seven times. Uh, it's it's uh, something and someone that the Lord hates, and as you already said, uh, just to uh, reinforce this, it uh, it's always associated with social chaos and the breakdown of trust and. The one who does it, uh, scripture says, is going to receive punishment and ultimately death. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, uh, as we think about it, false witnesses, um, you know, when, uh, when the wicked king Ahab wanted Naboth's vineyard, uh, Jezebel got it for him by means of false witnesses who, who slandered uh, Naboth and put him to death. Uh, when Christ yeah. was on trial... They brought in wave after wave of false witnesses. Uh, we read their testimony didn't agree, uh, and just all, all of this. Uh, I'm just kind of bringing up to uh, to say that Scripture has a lot to say about false witnesses, and in a uh, in the biblical uh, story, that the false witness is always on the wrong side of history. Like the uh, no nobody nobody ever. Succeeds and wins through and gets called righteous by bearing a false witness. You know there there are instances of godly deception. Uh, we've done uh, we've we've spoken about that before, about Rahab who hid the uh, the Israelite spies and so on. But uh, this the sense of a false witness uh, again it leads to a, a breakdown of civil trust. You can't have a society. Where where truth is not uh, is not elevated, and whether it's uh, whether it's practiced or not, whether uh, where truth is not, uh, I guess uh, received as the norm.
0: Well, it's easy to overlook that, as you said, actually that God's law is directed at um, harmony, at mm-hmm. unity, at the restoration of His order, and it's about the. Uh, unity of our um, fellowship with with God first of all because um, we're commanded be holy as I am holy Um, and without holiness no one will see the Lord so the obedience to God and his law is of course first about the restoration of our fellowship with him uh, it's an expression of our fellowship with God, our, our love of God. Jesus was very clear. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. And these commandments are not burdensome. Now, God's commands mm-hmm. are concerned with the, with the restoration of godly order. So of our um, of, of standing in right relation to God, which, of course, only comes when we're justified by faith in Christ. But then in order to walk in uprightness and in consistency with Our profession of faith, it involves obedience. And then, of course, the restoration of of godly order in society. And so all of these commands that we've been dealing with, and this one is an especially good example, concern the 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 rightness of our uh, fellowship with others, the relational structure that God, the the shalom that God is trying to, is wanting Mm -hmm. to maintain in human society, peace uh, and and order. And the the well-being, the flourishing of the human family, that's what it's for. And the, the tongue is so destructive. It's interesting, isn't it, that the book of James... Uh, deals with the tongue as a fire, um, this yes. small member, yeah. uh, which is he says, set on fire by hell, which um, you mm-hmm. know is able to steer the whole the whole of one's life, and and bring shipwreck to yourself and to others where there is a a lying tongue. So the Bible has, as you said, a, a great deal to say about. Um, bearing false witness about lying because of its destruction of relational order now when we go back to the very beginning the original liar is satan himself Mm -hmm. and jesus says that satan was a liar and is the father of lies so if the father of lies is the devil himself and he's a liar and he's been, Jesus says, a liar from the beginning. We see what lying did to our, f- our first parents in terms of the deception. And the goal of those lies was to hurt uh, and ruin human beings and their relationship with God. Jesus says that Satan comes to steal, to kill and to destroy. And what's his primary weapon? Lies deception right and so the the if we want to be of our father in heaven we need to be people of truth who don't bear false witness if we want to be like our like uh if we're going to have our father as the devil then lying and misrepresentation is going to characterize our lives now as you correctly pointed out the the original context of this command what's primarily in view is bearing false witness in a juridical in a judicial context so the primary illustration of bearing false witness is the the i'm glad you used those illustrations are actually in the context of those courts uh um, Mm. and actually we see a number of examples of that both in the gospels and in the book of acts uh And it's so important that we recognize that in order to maintain uh, societal order, social order, truth is maintained in the courts. There's an interesting anecdote here, actually, that there is a reason why when you bear witness in a court, historically, actually until very, very recently, where because of um, multiculturalism, uh, some people have been allowed to swear on another book in the Canadian context, I believe, Um, the oath of of a witness was an oath on the Bible to swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me God. So you're making an oath Mm -hmm. before God on that which is infallibly true, the word of God. So you're swearing on something higher than yourself, the word of God, before the living God, and then before the magistrate, the justices, the judge, that you are going to speak the truth. And uh, that helped emphasize the seriousness of perjury, uh, of lying uh, in a court of law, because the goal there is to hurt your neighbor. And I'm going to come on to why this is so important, why we distinguish this from where there are instances where actually a, a, a misdirection is not always wrong. Um. Mm-hmm. The issue here is that in a court of law, your law, your goal is to hurt by perjuring yourself is to hurt and destroy the person you are falsely accusing. And so the the context here is the the, the basically the in one way or another, the undermining or the destruction of the reputation or even indeed the life of another person by bearing false witness. Now, you couldn't take the American courts, for example, if you were an atheist and you couldn't swear on the Bible, originally you couldn't be a witness in a court of law because you were unable to right. swear on something higher and, uh, and above yourself to hold you accountable as such uh, for your oath, which is very interesting. Uh, it, that such a witness was considered untrustworthy. You couldn't swear on something higher. Uh and so the original context uh, is a is a court of is a court of law. Um, in Leviticus six one through seven, let me just uh, read that. There's another context too, where there's an emphasis on false witness as a form of theft, which is very interesting given what we dealt with in the previous commandment, uh, which was stealing. Um, when we right. when we had a guest, in some respects, you could actually look at the second table of the law um and see it uh, see those commands basically as forms of theft uh, so the fifth commandment basically requires respect for others and then you can't take steal a person's life the sixth commandment you can't steal a person's wife that's a seventh commandment um, and you can't um, steal a person's property um the uh, the eighth commandment and really the ninth and the tenth covetousness and lying because leviticus 6 1 through 7 says the lord spoke to moses saying if anyone sins and commits a breach of faith against the lord by deceiving his neighbor in a matter of deposit or security or through robbery or if he has oppressed his neighbor or has found something lost and lied about it swearing falsely in any of all the things that people do and sin thereby if he has sinned and has realized his guilt and will restore what he took by robbery or what he got by oppression or the deposit that was committed to him or the, or the lost thing that he found or anything about which he has sworn falsely. He shall restore it in full and shall add a fifth to it and give it to him to whom it belongs on the day he realizes his, his guilt. And he shall bring to the priest as his compensation to the Lord a ram without blemish out of the flock or its equivalent for a guilt offering. And the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord and he shall be forgiven for any of these things that one may do and thereby become guilty. So there's an interesting connection between bearing false witness and theft because you're stealing something from somebody. There may be a particular case, for example, of you know security or deposit or something that's lost or whatever, but also the theft of somebody's reputation. And so... There is a there is a connection here to uh, the 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 previous commandment, um, and so that would be the the initial context of the commandment. I'm not saying there isn't a general uh, prohibition against uh, lawless lying, um, but that would be the the initial mm-hmm. context of the commandment.
1: Right, right, and just to uh, to connect that again uh, with this first story about the. Uh, the Canadian crown, the Trudeau crown, as it's been uh, been referred to. Uh, so we we saw that uh, for Charles' coronation, uh, Elizabeth's coronation, uh, and the uh, the crown that symbolized her reign uh, was the Saint Edward's crown. Uh, Charles has chosen the uh, the Tudor crown for his royal cipher uh, to symbolize his sure. reign, and as king, that that is his prerogative. He we uh, can debate. Whether that was a a meritorious thing or not, but that's his decision to make. It is not. It is not the prime minister's prerogative to to go about and change the royal emblems. So there's a uh, there's a, a an element like to to push it through, uh, sort of without debate, without consultation of the Canadian people, and without uh, consultation of the of the monarchy is. Is one one side of it, and the other side is that it's a it's a usurpation of of authority, and it's it's a, again we've we've talked uh, here and there about how how these these commandments fit together because the uh, you know the sins and lawlessness lawless acts that they that they prohibit uh, also uh, feed into one another. And it's, yeah. uh, it's just, I don't know, it, it, I, don't, I don't have a specific question there. It's just an in- interesting comment to uh, to reflect on.
0: Well, there's the, as you say, there's the theft of royal prerogative. Um, mm-hmm. There's the, the, the theft of uh, parliamentary say-so, uh, uh, of parliamentary consultation. Yeah. Um we could say there's the theft of Canadian identity by trying to strip out the, there's the, there's an ideological political purpose in stripping out the Christian symbolism in taking, removing the cross and replacing it with a snowflake. Yes. How fitting, um, that it should be a snowflake in <laughs> Trudeau's case. Um, but as you say, this, this, this sort of, this lying, um, this, this theft really, uh, of of royal prerogative and of Canadian identity is is at issue in that particular illustration, um, and it's a serious it's a serious matter. It's not just a uh, a passing thing of no real consequence. This is about the symbols of a nation. These are the symbols That's of right. our history. These are the, these are the symbols of our constitution in Canada. Are just like they are in uh, the United Kingdom, and this cavalier attitude, um, and that's an interesting uh, <laughs> expression in itself, isn't it? The Cavaliers, because yeah. that's uh, yeah, back to the Parliament Roundhead and the Cavaliers, and you know the Puritanism against uh, really lawlessness in, in that case, in the King's case. Um, but this cavalier mm-hmm. attitude towards uh, people, towards authority. Certainly, the this commandment has that in view. Now, of course, there are um, there are things in this commandment we can. The big things, I think, are obvious and easy to identify: uh, the perjury in a court of law, um, the deception in government, uh, the, the, the the lying. Uh, bearing false witness against people to their hurt. I think those things are easier to identify. I think that sometimes the harder things to identify, especially for us as Christians, as we look at ourselves, are a little more subtle. So it's interesting to look at the the Westminster larger catechism. Uh, I was looking at that uh, this week. And uh, just some of the duties that they argue that the ninth commandment requires and a few things jumped out at me. So what's the positive requirement? And then what are some of the negative prohibitions implied here? A couple of thoughts quickly. Uh, The positive duty, they include a charitable esteem of our neighbor, uh, loving, desiring and rejoicing in their good, uh, in their good name. Sorrowing for and covering of their infirmities, freely acknowledging their gifts and graces, defending their innocency, a ready receiving of a good report and an unwillingness to admit of an evil report concerning them, discouraging talebearers, flatterers, and slanderers. So it's not just that we don't want to be bearing false testimony against our neighbor in a legal case, but in social life that uh, we don't lie about our neighbor, but that also we have a charitable attitude towards them that we, we actually celebrate their good name and we sorrow, um, when their infirmities are uncovered, when their shortcomings, um, are sort of gossiped about and made known. Um, And that we receive a good report with enthusiasm and with favor and that we are sorrowful about bad reports. And we don't want to admit or that is hear a bad report about uh, a neighbor unless there's witnesses to it. Mm -hmm. Now, if we're honest, you know, the, the temptation of being human is that we enjoy the gossip. And that's right. Sometimes we're all too ready to receive a bad report about people and we're not sorrowful about it. Uh, and we are we are not so encouraged when we hear good reports about others. Uh, we have a tendency in our sin to want to bring others down. Um, you know, it's a kind of almost like a national pastime of the of the media and the press to want to expose people's shortcomings and bring them down, especially if they're in a position of prominence or a position of authority. Uh, it's true in the life of the church. And I think that's a really good reminder there for us as believers that, you know, do we rejoice in the good name of our brothers and sisters, the good name of our neighbor? Do we sorrow when <clears throat> their infirmities, when their shortcomings are are brought to light? Um, are we too ready to receive a bad report and not so interested in a good report? And I think that's a really good reminder. This is part of the positive duty of obeying this commandment of not bearing yeah. false witnesses, that we're keen to protect the reputation um, of our neighbor unless there's very good grounds for um, receiving a bad report. And uh, yeah. the social media yeah, it's, world... Uh,
1: scripture... Oh, okay. So I was Go just going to say that scrip- scripture, scripture has provision. Uh, I'm just thinking, I don't have a reference in front of me, but several times uh, we're, we're told in... Uh, Numbers Deuteronomy that uh, you know if your you know if someone entices you to go ahead and uh, go away and worship other gods, you know it doesn't matter if it's you know your your close friend your neighbor somebody within your house, uh, you're going to testify against him and that that's a that was a capital crime. Your hand it says shall be first against him. So it's Mm -hmm. not, uh, when you, when you, I I love what you're, uh, what you read from the Westminster Catechism there, uh, but I just wanted to, uh, I guess, clarify for everybody that it's not that we are naively assuming the best about, uh, about anyone, but it's our, it's a disposition to, to want to be uh, charitable and to want to celebrate all that's uh, good and reputable in, uh, in our neighbor. And the other yeah. uh, the other point in that is that uh, there, this specific uh, clause uh, against your neighbor, well, what uh, what relationship what, what neighborly relationship does you know does some paparazzo have to the person that they're dragging through the mud? the the question of neighbor and of bearing witness uh presumes presumes a relationship presumes a, a an intimate degree of knowledge about this person's character and actions rather than trying to you know dig up a case a frivolous case from 25 years ago to uh to drag someone through it again
0: yeah exactly uh, i think that's uh that's an excellent an excellent example, and um, I want to comment on on that in a moment as well. Actually, the the what the Bible means by a neighbor, and of course, that's why you have all these phone tapping scandals and all this sorts of thing, because they are trying to presume the intimacy of a neighbor that they don't actually have. Uh, they're trying to get into that individual's life in such a way as to tear them down. So they're really an enemy in that respect um and so that's there's a whole different kettle of fish there and you're absolutely right what the the uh, puritans here are, are not saying is be naive about people's character what they're trying to do is uphold biblical standards of testimony uh we don't just accept an evil report because we've heard one uh we don't rejoice in it we right. should be really saddened uh when uh, somebody's name is is uh is is dragged through the mud or if somebody loses their reputation for a just reason that they have engaged in the behavior that they're being accused of. That shouldn't be a matter of rejoicing for us. So as you say, this is about a disposition and it should be that just as we're told with respect to church discipline, that you don't receive a charge against an elder except on the basis of, of, of two or three witnesses. What the, um, the, the, the writers of the catechism here are concerned with is drawing out the implication of God's, Law and its and its requirements with respect to witnesses and testimony. Um, in other words, we don't just listen to gossip. We're not loose with our tongues mm-hmm. and slandering people and passing on gossipy uh, tidbits to people because we find that uh, titillating and enjoyable. People, in yeah. you know, we in our sinful nature enjoys all too often hearing these things about other people, and that should be a grief to us. And we should be holding in the life of the church, especially people accountable to God's standards of witness of testimony. That's really what the uh, the Puritans are getting at there and that we have we we cultivate uh, not the attitude of a talebearer or a flatterer or a slanderer, but somebody who's concerned with with proper uh, standards, uh, God's standards. And then um that's sort of the that we might say the positive duty one of the negative duties and I was looking at some of those two and how they struck me um that 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 struck me about our culture today and also the apostasy we're seeing today in the church about what the ninth commandment forbids and it's not just forbidding this formal uh, false witness in a court of law but if we plead for or appear to plead for an evil cause And how many in Hmm. the the church today dress up um, deception and lies, uh, and really lying about God and his word in terms of justice, social justice, love of neighbor, uh, when we call good evil and evil good? This is going on. We're seeing it happening even in the churches today. uh, Amongst so-called Christian leaders calling good, I was dealing with, saw it today with a prominent former evangelical leader here in england um uh mm-hmm. bearing false witness about the bible yeah. bearing false witness about uh, what god has to say about issues of human identity and sexuality or the 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 um the westminster catechism here says perverting it to a wrong meaning or in doubtful and equivocal expressions so this is what the 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 ninth commandment is forbidding is you can't go about being equivocal about things which God is unequivocal uh, or pervert the meaning of things to try and uh, suit our own agenda. There's an awful lot of that going on in our culture right now. And we have to stand, we have to stand against it. Um, You mentioned the, uh, the, the case of uh, perjury in the courts of law to see how seriously God took that is that if you were going to you mentioned it in passing ryan but if you were going to accuse somebody of something in a court of law um uh, you had to be ready to face the penalty that you were accusing that other yes. person that that person would have received if uh, your accusations were upheld that if you were perjuring yourself you were invoking that penalty on yourself that's right. Uh, and that's, uh, that shows you just how... And of course, that had a serious impact upon people's willingness to, to perjure themselves. And also, your hand had to be against that because punishment was a community thing, not some faceless bureaucracy of the mm. state doing the punishing, but the community was engaged in the punishment. You had to be part as a witness against that person of their punishment, hence the, the penalties for perjury. And it seems to me we don't take this seriously enough anymore. And there are all too many people who are willing to pervert what Scripture has to say and be equivocal. I think we've got a a terrible and awful illustration of this right now in the the Church of England, uh, where the issue Mm. of same-sex blessings is uh, almost certainly going to be passed through the House of Bishops. Well, you've got this equivocation, where on the one hand, they're saying, well, we're not really changing the doctrine of marriage, in the sort of the legal definition of marriage in the doctrine of the church. But what we are saying is that people in all kinds of other sexual relationships can come and be blessed, whether they're fornicating or adulterous or in same-sex relationships. We will put the church's blessing upon those sins. Well, that's right, the sin of equivocation and bearing false witness. We are pretending that's we're right. not changing the doctrine of marriage and what God authorizes for human sexual relationships by an equivocation around words when we know full well the intent is to change the doctrine. There is a perfect illustration of what the framers of the of the Westminster Larger Catechism were getting out there of what this commandment actually entails. I think it's a, a really good one.
1: Yeah. No, that's uh, that's a very apt example. That's funny. This is exactly what. Uh, this is exactly how Canada uh, legislated uh, same-sex marriage back, you know, twenty years ago or so, by uh, beginning to uh, to label it a, a civil partnership or a civil union. You know, in the you know, terminology, fun- functionally it uh, it amounted to the same thing as a marriage, and the terminology lasted a couple months before. We decided it was too much trouble to uh, to use two terms for what was functionally one thing.
0: Yes, exactly, exactly. Now, I think you know one of the things that's in people's minds when this commandment comes to the fore uh, is: is there ever a time? And you touched just on it in passing, uh, Ryan, when you mentioned Rahab. Is there ever a time when? Right. Uh, not telling the truth about something uh, is permissible or um, misleading or misdirecting people? Is there ever a a time, an occasion when uh, that can be necessary? Now, what I want to, I do want to sort of close with this this, uh, particular discussion and this point, because I do think it's very important. Like all of God's commands, this commandment doesn't come to us in the abstract.
1: That's right. It's not an
0: abstract commandment about uh, lies. If it were an abstract Aristotelian commandment, then we'd be in a situation where, in athletics, uh, you wouldn't be able to feign a pass. Um, In um, in in board games, you wouldn't be able to participate in games that um, involved uh, a deception. In war you wouldn't be able to engage in deception. And yet whole um, uh, divisions uh, in, in wartime are devoted to how to mislead and misdirect the enemy. So, you know, the context is important. Remember, we talked about the relational context of how we are to deal with our neighbors. The immediate context is in a court because there your intention is to actually hurt and destroy that person but the second issue here is in concrete terms is who is your neighbor who is your neighbor uh that classic illustration so often used here is you know that the the and, and it wasn't actually purely hypothetical this did actually happen to people during the second world war when um people were sheltering in europe jews who were hiding in their homes in the walls and so on or in the basement Was it permissible for Christians to lie to the SS, to misdirect and lie about their concealment of Jews? Now, you have a stream of perfectionism in biblical interpretation here, which I think is the result of an enslavement to Greek philosophy. It was actually even there, I have to say, in Augustine. Um, who thought that lying under any circumstances is forbidden here by God or is forbidden in in the word of God. I don't think that's true at all because this is not an abstraction. We live in the real world. Mm -hmm. We live in a fallen and a broken world, a ruined world, where um, because it's a fallen world that is being redeemed by Christ, uh, there are people who want to use that which is true to do evil. And that uh, sort of um, uh, dilemma, the the situation there of, you know, having to lie to authorities to save lives. If somebody wants to use the truth to destroy somebody else, we are under no obligation to give them the truth. And uh, that's because God's commandments aren't abstract and they are given into a fallen world. This is not the eschaton. We have not all been yet made like Christ, and not everybody is my neighbor yet. Hmm. Um, and so sometimes we are dealing with enemies. That's right. And the the, the parable of the Good Samaritan does not refute this. The, Jesus yep. was dealing there with the Jewish tendency to deal with Samaritans, Gentiles, as enemies, and not to take God's law seriously with respect to them. Um, he was not saying um, that uh, you can never, ever tell a lie uh, to somebody who is your enemy um, or mislead somebody who's an enemy. Now you, you uh, gave a, um, a couple of biblical illustrations. I think you talked about um, Rahab. There's actually numerous illustrations of, of misdirection or deception, which, is not only not condemned in the bible in some instances is actually blessed by god you mentioned the right. the um uh, rahab uh and her countrymen hiding the spies um and uh, that amounted to a very clear deception um but uh the um the the bible has other instances you've got the israelite midwives in egypt who basically were being required to commit murder uh, because they were being they were they were being re- required to report the Hebrew births to the authorities so that the Hebrew boys could be tossed into the Nile. They refused yes. to do this yeah. and uh, they lied about why they weren't informing on this, saying that well the, the Hebrew women are very um, vigorous and they give birth very quickly and you know um you don't even know it's happened and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And God, we're told God blessed them for it. You've got Samuel misleading Saul as to the reason for his mission in First in Samuel 16, verses 1 through 5. Right. You've got yeah. 1 Samuel 20, verse 6, and David's counsel to Jonathan. Uh, one of my favorites is, um, is 1 Samuel 23, 13, where David actually pretends to be mad when he's amongst the Philistines so as not to be mm. identified. You've got numerous illustrations of military deceit, um, God himself sends a lying spirit against Ahab. Yes. Uh, that's God uh, bringing judgment. And God sends a powerful delusion delusion, so that his enemies will believe a lie. That's in 2 Thessalonians 2 um, and, and verse 11. So even God himself, who is the judge of all the earth and fully just and true, uh, when he is judging his enemies... Uh, is prepared to deceive them. And you've got even more sort of what we might call innocuous examples where at one point Jesus seems to be feigning that he's about to go up to the festival to the Passover, and he delays. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, 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 he actually yeah. says he's not going to go up, and then he goes up. Uh, even on the Emmaus Road, actually, when he's walking with the disciples, it says he, that he made out as though he was going on further. Um, yeah. When actually he knew precisely what his purpose was, uh, and so there are times when God wants to reveal something or show something in both cases there with Jesus, he wanted to, to reveal himself at the right time, whether it was going up to the Passover yeah. or the Emmaus road, there's a revelatory purpose involved. Or if God is bringing judgment to his enemies. And so I would say that we mustn't get caught in the sin of perfectionism with this. Uh There are times when um, deception in the interest of of God's purpose and revelation uh, and in the in 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 instances where God is trying to uh, deceive his enemies, uh, not God's concern in his commands. And even with the the um, the parable of the Good Samaritan is that who is the one who's truly in need? Who is the Mm -hmm. one who is oppressed, who's in need, who is being uh, abused, who is being misled, who's being um, taken advantage of? Um, These are our neighbors. These are the people, not the people who are arrayed against us as our enemies or who are trying to destroy our lives or who are trying to destroy the Jew hidden in the wall or trying to destroy the unborn. Um, we don't owe the truth to those who are trying to extract it from us to do evil. And that's where I think we need to be on our guard against perfectionism um, and where we needn't be um, feeling guilty if we have not told the whole truth to somebody intent on doing evil with it. Uh, Now, there are situations of, 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 of social niceties as well, where I would say we're not, lying so you know if your if your wife comes down and says you know how do how do i look in this she really likes the outfit you're not so keen is it really the best is it really a lie to say well I love it, it i think it's fine it looks good uh even if you don't think it looks the best um hmm. if you sign off your letter you know yours sincerely um well that's a social norm of politeness, um, that is there to, to, um, maintain social cohesion. And sometimes in the life of the family, if your wife, um, or some member of the family has just labored over dinner, um, and you're brutally honest about what you thought of the, how well done the pie was, you know, uh, th- this is not what the Bible has in mind is what I'm trying to say here that when right. we blurting yeah, okay. out your opinion on everything um, is not necessarily called for, you know, when people talk about being brutally honest, well, sometimes they're enjoying the brutality, not the honesty. Uh, and so right. in when we are seeking to maintain social norms uh, for the, for the sake of unity within our society and peace within our society we're not lying if we don't always say exactly what comes to our mind about a particular situation or circumstance, because we are trying to shield the feelings of others. We're trying mm. to protect the good name of others. So there are times where um, where we now, you know, I don't, I'm not talking about white lies here, but I'm saying that, you know, the when we are talking about truthfulness, bearing false witness... Concealing my opinion about dinner or this issue or this trivial matter or that issue is not what the Bible has in view. Okay. We can be polite. We can be courteous. We can sign off our letters courteously. We can be generous in our opinion of what somebody has done or somebody's performance. Um, We can be kind, in other words. (laughs) Um, We can be gracious. Without falling afoul of what is in view in this commandment. And I think that's important to say, as we sort of wrap this episode up here, is that mm-hmm. it's very clear from Scripture that there are times when misdirection with our enemy uh, and and not uh, blurting out the whole truth and nothing but the truth to those who want to use it to do evil um, you know, I've heard perfectionists and I think we've touched on this before sort of say, you know, if, if somebody broke into your home in the night and, and, and demands to know where your daughter is or your wife is with the intent to rape them that, you know, well, I wouldn't tell them a lie. This is perfectionist right. nonsense. And I would say yeah. is evil. It is evil. Yeah. Uh, that such an attitude is an evil attitude. God requires that we protect the innocent. And, uh, Uh, That's why the Bible doesn't forbid, the Ten Commandments don't forbid killing. The Ten Commandments forbids murder. It doesn't condemn self defense. The Bible never condemns self defense. It doesn't condemn the execution of criminals. It doesn't condemn just war. Some of God's most righteous and, and greatest servants were warriors. It does say you cannot lawlessly take life, you cannot murder. I would say the same applies here with respect to bearing false testimony. What God has in view here is that which is that which is done with the intention of harming another, uh, of destroying another with our words that's in view. It does not have in view protecting others with our words. It doesn't have in view practical jokes <laughs> where, we're, where we're having fun. Now, of course, we need to be careful with practical jokes. You know, sometimes a practical joke may have a malicious intent, but you know what I mean. Uh, There are contexts, uh, uh, um, you know, having a um, somebody who does, you know, magic tricks, uh, which are, you know, sleight of hand, deception. um, You know, to uh, to a children's party. Yes, to a children's party is not a violation of this commandment. You know, those things are, are are considered fun. Um, and, uh, you know, certain jokes, certain, certain tricks. These are, these are, as I said, there's illustrations in athletics, this is part of, of, of normal human life. So let's not be perfectionist. And uh, worst of all, let's not have the kind of sanctimonious perfectionist attitude that says I would surrender the lives of others or the safety of my own family to a, a murderer or a thief or a robber or a rapist, because I think that I have such a perfection, the, 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 a, such a tender conscience, that I can't mislead those who want to do evil. And I think that would be a good right. Um, right. caveat here to what we're saying about our obligation to the truth.
1: Yeah, Yeah, and just to uh, again give a give a last word uh, from Scripture here. I think uh, I think this is part of what Christ has in mind when he says, "Don't uh, don't throw your pearls before swine," you know, lest they right. trample them into the dirt. You know, the uh, the tr- the truth is is a pearl, and not uh, not everyone in this in this present age is uh, is favorable to it or wants to use it for for good purposes.
0: Yeah, another good example of that would be the use of um, of satire. Mm. Uh, where, um, where, where satire, where you know a, a, a misstatement or an untruth is turned on itself to, to 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 make a point, and I think Proverbs has that in mind as well when it says, you know, um, don't answer the fool according to his folly, uh, and then but also at times answer the fool according to his folly, yes. and I think you know so again Scripture doesn't have in view here. The use of satire when we're making a truthful point with the satire,
1: right? That'd be uh, that'd be a good episode to come on to later as well. But, uh, anyways, Joe, thanks for uh, for walking us through that and for fleshing out some of the implications of this commandment. Uh, we'll uh, we'll leave it here for this week and. We remind you as we close, as ever, that from him and through him and to him are all things. This has been the podcast for Cultural Reformation. We'll look forward to being with you again next week. God bless you.